0: namaste everyone this is anita from happiness factors your happiness lady excited to welcome roger gabriel from the chopra global as well as the one who learned about all the meditation and ayurveda from maharshi mahesh yogi he is originally from england and he has studied ayurveda and became friends with deepak chopra for a very very long time since 85 and currently serves as a chief meditation officer so with such an interesting background i would like to welcome you roger and have you say a few words about yourself
1: okay thank you namaste namaste everyone um yes well um as you said i was i was born you know grew up in england and i first learned to meditate in 1972 which was probably before you were even born Um, (laughs) And um, as soon as I learned to meditate, I, I realized that this is what I wanted to be involved in. I wanted to share this with other people. I mean, it had really such a profound effect on me. And so um, soon after that, I gave up whatever I was doing at the time, which wasn't a whole lot, of course, I was in my early twenties, um, and went off and trained to become a meditation teacher under Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. and. Um, and then I moved to the United States, um, you know, a few years later and um, taught meditation there and worked for the TM organization for many years on and off. And in the process, met Deepak Chopra and uh, we became friends. And then I, in those days, uh, Deepak was just starting to get involved in um you know, mind, body medicine and Ayurveda and things like that. He still had a Western medical practice, um, but he invited me to come and work with him to help him establish more of the holistic side of his practice. And so that's what I did. And um, and, uh, and then to cut a long story short, we ended up moving to San Diego, we are in Massachusetts. Originally, we moved to San Diego and we created what is now um, the Chopra Chopra Global, the Chopra organization. And um, we created programs for uh, meditation. We created programs in Ayurveda and we created um, teacher training programs so we could train people to go out and share this around the world because... You know, we didn't want to just keep it in our in our own little backyard, so to speak. I have People have to come to us. We wanted to spread this um, message throughout the world. And so, you know, that's really what I've been doing um, for the last uh, 30 years now is, um, you know, traveling around the world, teaching meditation, training teachers, and um, generally having fun. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> the most so, important um, part. Most yeah. important part is to have fun. Enjoy it. <laughs>
0: That's so true. that's where I think life becomes more interesting and happy.
1: <laughs> yeah there's there's too much seriousness in the world today. Um, <clears throat> you know and it doesn't mean to say we shouldn't be responsible. we shouldn't be flippant of course there's a lot of lot of suffering and things like that but but uh, you don't end suffering by being serious. Um, you know you have to lighten up a little bit and you know look beyond it I mean not not get sort of mired in the doom and gloom it was oscar wilde who said he said oscar wilde said we're all living in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars and that's really what it is you know we can yes we live in this world with all this you know craziness going on but you know we have to be looking to a higher higher goal not just not just rolling around in the mud in the mud and stuff
0: no i totally agree with you and i have a question because you grew up in a very different culture in england and then suddenly Decided to adopt meditation. How was the change for you? Was there like a pushback from your parents or your friends? Like, what are um, you doing? Because that time it wasn't that popular, right?
1: Um, no, um, you know, actually, my parents were very supportive. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in those days, this was this was like um, the late nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies, and um, you know, the Beatles—they'd um, yeah. just gone to India and they'd studied meditation, so. You know, people were familiar with the, the concept of meditation, but but really, back in those days, um, meditation was talked about as stress management. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't really a spiritual program, which is it is nowadays. It's been accepted more widely as a spiritual program. It still has, of course, all the stress management qualities to it mm-hmm. and benefits. But back in those days, it was it was really thought of as. Um, you know something and that's really why I when I went to learn uh-huh. you know, I was in my early 20s, but I was smoking and drinking too much and you know, just not happy with my, my life in general. Uh-huh. And I went along to see if I could improve things. And that's really why I started and then, you know, once I started, of course, I realized that there was so much more to it than just that and uh, But no, I mean, everyone is very supportive. I mean, I know, I mean, there's, you know, there's still a lot of people who think we're we're very weird, you know, sitting with our eyes closed, (laughs) you know, for 30 minutes twice a day or whatever it is, but that's all right. We love them anyway.
0: That's true. Yeah, even my friends tell me, like, their favorite pastime is, oh, hang out in a happy hour. But because I meditate and I like to have, like, more satsang than drunk people around me, so I, like, limit that as an interaction, right? And, but uh, for them, it is like, okay, how can you have fun if you don't drink? For me, I say I am high on life.
1: Absolutely. No, I totally agree because, you know, the, the only true happiness we find is inside, it's Definitely. not out there in the world. You know, the happiness that we find in the world is is like it's like a roller coaster. I call it the happiness roller coaster.
2: Yes.
1: You know, she loves me, she loves me not. He loves me, he <laughs> loves me not. You know, it's that it's that roller coaster, because anything in, out in the world around us
2: mm-hmm. is not
1: permanent, including happiness. But the happiness we find inside, that joy, that bliss. I mean, that that is eternal. I mean, that lasts forever, and that's what meditation. what meditation does is it Mm -hmm. connects us with that inner joy that inner bliss that nobody can ever take away from you
0: that's very true because external factors they keep on changing so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's only short term happiness whereas if it comes from inside then it can last for a long time so -hmm. you mentioned that before you started meditating you were drinking and smoking so (laughs) meditation make you leave that
1: um yes in fact um I probably gave up smoking within a few weeks of learning to meditate, and you know, it it just—it, I mean, it was no effort. I just decided, you know, Mm -hmm. why am I doing this? And threw it away, and that was it. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, drinking—I mean, it kind of tapered off. I mean, I would have, you know, (laughs) a few beers in the pub with friends and things like that, but, but it lost its interest because I realized I was doing it because I was stressed and. And when when you don't have that same stress, then you don't need these, um, you know, outside stimulants and things like that to to make you happy. And um, so they just they just kind of dropped off. And uh, I would say it was probably. I mean, I would still have an occasional drink for the next few years. I mean, but it was very natural. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was forced on me. Um, uh, there was no rules that said I had to stop drinking or smoking or anything like that. Um, and it wasn't an effort. I just let it let it happen naturally. And that's that's what meditation is. See, meditation, meditation works with the natural rhythms of the body. And it brings balance and harmony within the body. So I'm not saying that everyone who learns to meditate would necessarily stop drinking and smoking. I mean, I have a lot of friends who've been meditating for years and years and years. And they still you know have a drink they don't go out and get drunk but you know they'll have a glass of wine with dinner or you know something like that a cocktail uh-huh. and it's fine but you know maybe they've had other changes because meditation just kind of it kind of brings us back into inner harmony with ourselves and um, you know what is what is right for one person isn't necessarily right for another person um but it just helps to helps to bring that balance and harmony. And uh, these things happen naturally. We don't have to force changes. We just allow them to happen. And that's the great thing about meditation. It works with the natural rhythms of the body.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I totally agree with that because I think also doing, at least in myself, I've noticed doing, after years of meditation now, I don't get negative emotions that intense and not for that long. Like it's easier to process and much shorter, so that way I can be happier for longer.
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: It makes you more calm, <laughs> more calm, and more. I guess it also gives you more clarity about different things and increases your intuition. Most of the time, if you focus inwards a, a lot of the time, so, so yeah,
1: I mean, meditation enriches all aspects of life. Yes. Um, it really does, and and this is why. And meditation works for everybody, you know, but in a different way. I mean, if somebody is a, let's say somebody is a sports person, a football player, or, you know, something like that, meditation will help them, you know, be better at their sport because it helps them to get in touch with themselves, helps them to find that inner balance, that inner joy. If, um, you know, you practice a religion or, whatever i mean meditation will enrich that experience too so that's the great thing about meditation is whatever whatever your goals are in life as, as long as they're life supporting goals and <laughs> um, meditation will will support that and enrich it
0: that's nice and uh there are like lots of different kinds of meditation right like uh there are some people they just like Focus on the breathing in and out. Some people do it with mantras. Some people do like a seven set of breathing exercises, like Baba Ramdev. So, which one is the best one, or is there no best one? Like different things might work for different. You know, the best,
1: the best one is whatever works best for you. It really okay. is. I mean, it's like saying, it's like saying, what is the best exercise program, or what is the best diet? It's okay. what gives you the best results. And, I mean, I get asked this question regularly. Yes. Uh-huh. And it's whatever works best for you. So if you're not sure, then you know, try one, and if it doesn't seem to suit you, then try another one, and find what gives you the best results. Because, but they're all they're all different. They have different qualities. So, um, you know, the ones I favor most are mantra meditations, which take you from activity into silence. That's the one I mostly teach, because you know, then we go beyond all the limitations and confines of the world. But there are many other meditations, as you said, which, um, you know, some use mantras as well, but they work more on the the active level. They work more on maybe the physical body or the mental, the emotional body. And these can be very powerful for dealing with, um, you know, situations in our life, whether it's an emotional situation, a physical um, challenge or something like that. But ultimately, we need to go beyond all of that. We need to transcend thought completely and go into that inner silence and reconnect with who we really are and then bring that person back into our lives because most of us have forgotten who we really are. Nowadays, You know, we, we live our life in all these stories, stories that we've created for ourselves and now unfortunately all the stories that social media creates for us. You know, we have to be this and we have to be that. We need to rediscover our true self, our essential nature, and then start living from that level. And then then life becomes magical.
0: I totally agree with you, but how, does someone who has grown up with all those external things like here i think there is also in the west there is a lot of stress on okay how you look how you dress what hair hair style you have what kind of car you drive or what kind of purse you carry what kind of makeup you wear so someone who has grown up in that kind of environment how do they go deep within themselves to find themselves because they have had no exposure right and everyone around them is doing just uh, the other thing or focusing on the surface level and So how would you? You,
1: ha- you don't have to give up all of those things, you know. I mean, you can obviously, yeah. if you want to be a recluse, you can go off and live in an ashram or a cave in the Himalayas or something like that. And if that's your choice, then wonderful. But you don't have to. I mean, most of my friends they practice meditation and they still, you know, buy the latest fashions and you know whatever and you know, like to go out and have a good meal and things like that. So we can still do all those things, but we need to start to also find that inner connection. And that's why that's why learning meditation techniques is so useful because it, it's just something, just follow a few simple instructions. I mean, like, you know, meditation, I would teach somebody would be to give them a mantra, a personal mantra that's chosen for them, and then just teach them how to use it silently and. You know the rest of it just takes you know takes course and it's uh it happens and then the benefits start to grow and once you start to notice the benefits in your life then you know you realize you know this is something important to you and it takes over the importance but the other things are fine i mean there's nothing you don't have to give up all those other things you can still be a multi-millionaire you can still have a nice car and a big house and all those things the important thing is not to be attached to those yeah. things. That's the important. That's that's the mistake we make is we get attached to those things. And then we spend our whole life worrying about, you know, what do I do if I lose this? What do I do if, you know, the stock market crashes and I lose my money? Or what yeah. do I do if somebody, you know, steals my car or you know, doesn't like me on social media or things like that. You know, just don't be attached to those things. Have them and enjoy them, but you know, just be free.
0: Yeah, attachment causes most of the stress and worry, and I would say mental issues anyways. Yeah. It's is going to be non a test. So how would you say meditation impacts mental wellness and vice versa?
1: Well, um, I'm not a medical professional, as okay. you know, so, you know, I can't speak from that perspective, but um, meditation is a detoxification process Mm -hmm. when we go within the mind settles down the body settles down we get a very deep level of rest and rest is how the body naturally heals itself and the body naturally heals itself by throwing off what's not supposed to be there I mean this is just a natural thing you know if you feel sick you know you take the day off work you go to bed early, you lighten your responsibilities. This is what we do automatically. Meditation allows us to do that on a regular systematic way every day, you know, not, not in a big dramatic way, but a little bit. So every day, every time we meditate, we're taking that inward journey, getting that deep rest. We're allowing some of those stresses and fatigues to start to be released. And as that does, then of course, you know, things start changing in our life because Um, Medicine will tell you, a doctor will tell you that 80% of the diseases that are caused today, whether it's physical ailments or mental uh, disturbances, you know, they're either directly caused by or greatly compounded by the amount of stress we have in our life. And so if we can start to release that stress, we start to dissolve those fears and anxieties and worries, and we start to, you know, get rest and get balanced again, then health will start to improve in all areas and that's what we see and that's what's been you know the subject of research programs for you know 40 50 years now on all types of meditation so it it can only help um
0: so basically if someone meditates and uh, and gets deep rest, they can make the right choices for life right
1: yeah i mean it's that because we get in touch with who we are Mm -hmm. our true self. You see, see, we're not our thoughts. We're the thinker of the thoughts. And the thinker of the thoughts, the only place the thinker of the thoughts can be is in the spaces between the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time in activity, you know, our thoughts are going so quickly. We can't, we don't access that space in between the thoughts. In meditation, we slow the process down And so the gap between the thoughts gets a little wider. And we start to notice who who is in that gap, who is in that space. And that's the real you, that's the real me. And then we start to bring that person back into our lives. And that that person is already perfect. Every one of us is already perfect in every way. You're perfectly happy, you're perfectly healthy, you're perfectly successful. All your desires are instantly fulfilled. The only problem is you've forgotten it. And you've forgotten because of the stress. The stress has covered it over. It's hidden. The real you, this wonderful, magnificent, perfect person, is right there, but it's hidden. So what we're doing in meditation is like peeling off the layers, peeling off the layers. And every time we peel them off, then the real you starts to appear and your life starts to change because you start to live from that truth, from who you are. You, you intuitively know what's right for you. You not don't have to listen to all these other people.
0: So basically you become more intentional rather than mechanical.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So most of the meditation practices come from the East like India, but there is one very popular one from the West called Silva meditation or Silva mastermind. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Um, you know, I, I don't really know much about it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, but you know if it works, then as I said, you know it, again, yeah. it's, it's what works for you and if it works for you and uh, then that's fine as you know as long as as long as something isn't um doesn't have any negative qualities to it like you know, there are some practices which you know they demand that you do this way and you have to do the thing, thing that way and and, you know, they can be they can be a little challenging in themselves if you're not careful. But as long as there's none of that, as long as it's free and you can, you know, come and go and make your own choices, then yeah. um, I support whatever works.
0: That's amazing. So some people like uh, say that, oh, I can't meditate because my thoughts are running in all different directions. <laughs> what would you tell them?
1: I, well, you know, when somebody says, um, do you think I'll be able to, I said, if you can think a thought, you can meditate. That's it. Uh Because we use the thinking process to go beyond the thinking process. So yes, the thoughts will race around all over the place, but gradually they start to settle down. They start to settle down. that's why we, you know, it's useful to have a meditation technique. You can't just sit down and, close your eyes and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm meditating now. No, I mean, your thoughts will. I mean, you'll just be daydreaming. But you have a technique, a mantra, a mantra right. sound, which takes us, you know, on this inward journey. You see, most thoughts have have two aspects. A thought has a sound or a vibration, but it also has a meaning. Yes. So if I said to you, think, think the word apple, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking apple, apple, apple. There's a sound. But as soon as I said thinking the word apple, this your favorite apple popped into your into your mind <laughs> then, or you started thinking about apple pie or something like that, you know. And so now you're on this horizontal path.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have a mantra, which is a thought, but it's yes. a thought with no particular meaning. So there's nothing to hold us on that horizontal level. And when we when we give the mind or the awareness no direction, it'll always move within. To its own source. The source of thoughts is within. It's not out there. That's true. We'll start to move within, and that's. And then we settle down, but the thoughts will come and go. So meditation isn't to try and block the thoughts. We yeah. use the thinking process, but in between all those other thoughts, we slip these other special thoughts, if you like, and that takes us within. And then once in a while, we slip into the silence. We go beyond the thoughts completely into the silence, and that's. That's the magic, that's the magic, that silence, because that silence is also a field of infinite possibilities.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Our life is limited possibilities. Most most of our life is built around our memories and our desires. That's really what it is. You know, we we think we have, we think we have free will, but we don't. We follow these same habits and routines, these conditioned responses. You know, I do an action, it creates a memory, the memory creates a desire, I do the action again. You know, we, we follow that same cycle. We call it the software of the soul. You know, the software is the program that runs <laughs> you. But we each have our own software, you yes. know, our soul, which runs it. This is limited possibilities. Meditation takes us beyond that into this field of infinite possibilities so that anything is possible. I mean, this is the only, the only thing that stops us is our lack of imagination anything is possible
0: that's true i totally agree with uh, with that and what's the relationship between mantras and meditation and i and i don't just mean like the one word we get for the meditation i mean the mantras like ahem brahmasmi or the gayatri mantra and all that so Mm -hmm. there was a study done which said that uh, just hearing those sounds can change the brain waves and uh, can offer beneficial benefits uh, mm, for someone who has alzheimer's or some other diseases and it was done by some scientists yeah and i was listening to their um to their uh video where they were showing like they had some very fine powder on a disc and just with the sounds it was moving and making some mm-hmm. structures or whatever so how do you think that uh, like mantras impact mental wellness
1: well, every, everything in creation is sound or vibration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything. You know, we, we as human beings and the physical world is a very dense vibration. That's why, that's why we think of it as solid. But mm-hmm. it's still a vibration. And so if something goes wrong, whether it's a mental illness, whether it's a physical illness, whether it's something to do with the weather or whatever it might be, it's because there's a disharmony in the vibration. So if we know the correct vibration and we enliven that through a mantra, then we kind of start to reharmonize whatever this is. And so in the Vedic tradition of India, the ancient Vedic tradition of India, there's is a sort of science of mantras, if you like. And they have mantras for just about everything. You're yeah. <laughs> curing everything from the snake bite to you know to uh, you know cancer or whatever it might be. Um And so knowing the right sound and reintroducing that vibration, you know, helps to harmonize and bring whatever it is back into normal functioning again and so you know there's many different ways of using mantras some mantras are done silently if we want to go inwards but a lot of mantras are chanted out loud if you want to if you want to change something in the environment like change the weather then yeah. you chant the mantra out loud you send the vibration out or so if you want to create peace and harmony in the world you might want to you know chant the mantra for peace and harmony out into the world um, but that's really what we're doing it's all vibration but you know now, we look at the world around us, and the vibrations are so distorted. Um, you know, with everything that's going on, and you know, the anger, the greed, and all these things that we're sort of faced with every day. You know, we just need to bring those back into harmony, and that's that's what that's what mantra will do. It's very it's a very powerful tool that we have.
0: Amazing and i read somewhere like someone was writing like if every kid was taught meditation in another 20 30 years like all the violence in the world will drastically like go down yeah. because so centered so what uh, what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean it, when it doesn't have to be children it's people you see you see the world is a reflection of the people in it We, we, you know, we blame the leaders, we blame the politicians and people like that. But they're just, they're just a reflection of the people. And if the people are angry and, you know, greedy or lustful or whatever it might be, then that's the representatives we get. And when enough people are, are acting or behaving in a certain way, then that influences the whole of society. So right now in the world, we have so many people, whether they're children or adults or whatever, who are angry, hostile, whatever, all these negative things. But if we can get enough people meditating, we don't have to wait for those children to grow up for 25 years. I mean, you know, we could do it tomorrow if people started meditating, then we could do what's known as raise the collective consciousness. And when you raise the collective consciousness, to a certain level, you know, and then it kind of shifts everything. You, you reach the, um, you know, that, that sparking point, if you like, when everything shifts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, Deepak Chopra has this um, theory that we need about a billion people practicing meditation, self-awareness mm-hmm. things. It doesn't have to be, you know, the same meditation, you know, prayer things to uplift them and you know it sounds like a lot of billion people it's about 15% of the world's population so you know it's like all of india or all of yeah. china or something <laughs> like that then that would reach what's known as the critical mass mm-hmm. if we could reach that everything would shift just like that i mean this is it i mean it's, the, it's the, you know what we see with physics you know they do it in physics they have you know everything is moving in a, a you know disorganized way, and then they get enough of those particles or whatever functioning harmoniously and everything else shifts very quickly. We do the same with consciousness and they've done they've done research mm-hmm. just you know, in a small way to see that this is possible. So, but yeah, if, if all the children learn to meditate and practice it, see, it's not just learning, it's practicing. Yeah. That's the key, um, you know, because we get distracted so easily you know, the world The world is very distracting. And, yes. um, you know, I mean, I teach people to meditate and when I see them six months, a year later and I ask them how they meditate, oh, well, I haven't really had a chance to do it because, you know, this happened or that happened. Mm-hmm. No, we have to make it a priority. If we want to change the world, then we have to make something like meditation a priority.
0: Yes, we have to, and, and if, teaching like more people can change the way people perceive things or behave i think we should create a movement and have more and more people uh, learn the benefits of meditation so that they will be more prone to do it and and we will reduce the anger or the bad behavior or the greed in the world right because Mm -hmm. the right values and right meditation i think makes all the difference like in india I, i would say like like here, like every all of my friends who have teenagers say, oh, they are teenagers. They did this. They they smoked. They drank. They took drugs or whatever, right? But I tell them that see, we are the same teenagers in India too. But I guess because of the prayers and the meditation practice, we don't do that. We always listen to parents, no matter what, right?
1: yeah but you know there's problems everywhere i mean i i visited india many times and mm-hmm. india has a lot of problems yes, it does. You know, we can't we can't we can't hold india up as you know the ideal society by yeah. um because you know there are same problems there with um you know the way guess,
2: yeah. um,
1: <laughs> and again it's because that that purity has mm-hmm. been lost um and so that's really what we've been doing through the Chöprä organizations for the last you know 30 plus years is trying to you know and not we're not the only ones of course there are many other people but bring back that purity of the knowledge the wisdom because i mean this this knowledge has been around for thousands of years so it must have some value to have lasted that long that's okay yeah you know we can't we can't dilute it too much yes we we make it we westernize it a little bit so that people uh-huh. incorporate it into their daily lives, but we still have to keep that the essence pure.
0: Yes, and, and also we have to make it like if you meditate, it's a cool thing because see, why do I think even teenagers go to drink or drugs or anything just to look cool, right? Uh-huh. So if, if they, if we create that kind of a perception about meditation and all the good teachings, like we are discussing, then. They will be more prone to then pick that up or take that up right and practice it because so. it's a, they'll feel good doing that basically yeah.
1: yeah i hope so you know unfortunately um you know our psychology is that you know if if we're if we're reasonably okay then we think oh i don't need anything
2: uh-huh. yeah
1: it's, you know it's only when something goes wrong oh gosh you know now i, I better learn to meditate or something Whereas if we meditated in the first place then the things wouldn't have gone wrong so yeah. perhaps, so um yeah. yeah but teen well teenagers you know teenagers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are, but, you know there's so many people uh when i train teachers and they say oh you know i wanted to hug these friends or some people in my family or wanted or you know i talked to people in my community and they thought meditation was no good i said there's enough people out there who want to learn don't don't waste too much time on the people who are resisting you know, find the ones who are open and let's get them meditating yes
0: no, that's there very there? true
1: yes enough people out nice. there. yeah we have to convince them <laughs> yeah you know well we keep working at it and you know what you're doing with you know your programs of course you know that's that's helping to spread the word too so thank you
0: yes my welcome yeah i'm trying to do it more like on the technology way in using ai because i'm targeting the tech industry who won't make time unless they have it available on their phone right
1: yeah well now you know nowadays i mean you know social media has has a lot of faults but it also has a lot of good things because it does get these sort of messages out to you know millions of people whereas before i mean i remember even just 20 years ago we wanted to promote something that we were doing we have to produce flyers and mail send them out through the regular you know post office mail and things like that um it would take forever whereas now you just switch on instagram or facebook or whatever and boom you know you send out a message to a million people um but we have to use these things wisely because they can be abused, and there is a lot of abuse. But we've got yep. them. So we have the means. We have the technology. Um, we just have to use it wisely. And um,
0: yeah, not let the technology use us. Use it. <laughs> oh, it's
1: should. like everything. It's like everything. You know, with all all these things, even with ourselves, our you know memories. I mean, you know, use your memories, but don't let your memories use you. I mean, that's that's why people get into you know so many difficulties, and particularly, um, you know, when we're talking about mental health, mm-hmm. um, because they let their memories use them, and it creates depression and all sorts of challenges yeah. in their life.
0: And also, they make it bigger and bigger if they keep on pro- reprocessing it in their mind. So it becomes much bigger than it or- originally was, right? So, right. so I have a question about the current situation. Like, there's so many so many layoffs. And of course so many people have lost people uh, in the covid times and so there's lots of grief as well as uh, uh, some people are having so many uncertainties in life how does meditation positively impact those life curveballs like something unpleasant and unexpected happens well
1: these things are always going to happen that's life We 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 can't avoid them completely we can minimize them but um meditation just gives us that inner strength and resilience so that when they come we can better deal with them now that doesn't mean to say if somebody close to you dies you you don't grieve of course you do but you don't let the grief overwhelm you you don't let it consume you so um i mean some people get so overwhelmed with grief they just they just stop functioning and that, that 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 doesn't serve anybody um, so meditation just gives us that, that inner strength so we can deal with these situations. And yes, we'll still feel the grief and the sadness. And it might be, you know, some sadness will be with us forever. I mean, my parents died years and years ago now, but you know, I still feel some sadness when I think about them, but but I don't go around all day miserable and grieving and things like that because, um, you know, that's that's life. I mean, we're, we're we're born and we're going to die, everyone, you know, at some point is going to die, and but you see, that's not us. If you believe in the Eastern philosophies, you know, who we are is something much greater than the physical body. The mind and the body, this is not who we really are. And this is what our spiritual practices, our meditation and other things, you know, should lead us to and open us to that, you know, who we are is something much greater than that who we are is this immortal eternal soul this being that's never born and never dies Um, and so you know these other things happen and so when you when you appreciate that then you know the body is something that you use and you can enjoy it and all the benefits and all the fun and the passion of life (laughs) and it's time to go And it's time to go. What is it? The great Indian poet Rabindranath Tagore said, He said, Death is not extinguishing the flame, it's merely turning down the lamp now that the dawn has
0: come. Wow, that's really beautiful. Isn't
1: that beautiful?
0: Yes, very beautiful. And I know his other poem, uh, where the head is held high. And that, Alo Amar, Alo Go, that's in Bengali, but because I'm from Calcutta, so I understand Bengali too.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, to go
0: was. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, he was amazing. And actually it's, um, you mentioned rightly that the meditation helps us with build resilience, mental muscle, and helps us deal with whatever life brings us in a much more effective way, much more stronger way. Yes. Whether it's grief, whether it's some other unexpected happening, right? So That's it's right. very good to...
1: And again, uh, again, it's that lack of attachment. Yes. If we're attached, if we're attached to the physical body, attached to life, then when we start to get older, then we start to panic and worry, oh gosh, you know, uh, this and this and this, whereas, you know, if we say, okay, I'm, it's fine, I enjoy it, but I'm not attached to it the same as, you know, you have that, that jacket that you bought years ago that's in your closet and it's, it's all scruffy and, you know, falling apart, but, oh, I couldn't possibly throw it away, you know. I wore this for my high school prom and whatever, you know, you're attached to it. You you have to let these things go.
0: (laughs) So, so basically meditation then offers you the right, I would say the deep point of view to handle even negative emotions much more effectively as well as handle whatever life uh, brings you and enjoy life to the fullest because you don't have attachment to anything. Absolutely. Yes. yeah, it will totally reduce your, I would say your worry or totally reduce your anxiety because you are not anxious someone is going to steal this what will happen if I don't have money or things like that, right? Yeah,
1: we're so, you know we're so we're so frightened of uncertainty. yes, it's it's the certainty that we should be frightened of. I mean, the certainty is what we see on the news every night. That's the scary <laughs> stuff That's the, true. the unknown, you know, can be whatever we want it to be. It's, it's our it's our future. We create, we're constantly creating and, and co-creating with each other. And we can create whatever we want. We just put our attention on it and that's it. And not get stuck and think that, you know, we're these simple, you know, miserable, insignificant beings. We're not, I mean, we're we are the universe. It's your universe, it's my universe, and we're co-creating this universe together. I mean, that's when, you know, you mentioned the mantra, Aham Brahmasmi, that's what it means. I am the totality. I am the universe. It's, I am everything. You know, tell yourself that. There's a a very powerful um, uh, and empowering technique, you know, I'll just share it with you. This is something that anyone can do. Um, And it's done looking in a mirror. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of like your soul reflecting back on itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the three phrases. It doesn't matter what order you're in. Okay. So the first one is um, above and beneath no one.
2: Okay.
1: Above and beneath, beneath no one. one. Mm-hmm. So you just say it, looking into your eyes. You know. Okay. You
0: above and one? beneath no one. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's the first one. Immune to criticism and flattery.
0: Immune to criticism and flattery. Right. And
1: the mm-hmm. third one is. Fearless in any situation.
0: Fear less in any situation.
1: Yeah. Just those three. And then you can finish it off if you want by saying Aham Brahmasmi. Yes. I am I am the totality. Yes.
2: Excellent. Go ahead.
1: You know, and you say that every morning. You know, when you get up, you know, you go in the bathroom, look yeah. in the you know, and just say those phrases to yourself. Or anytime during the day, you feel a little bit down or you feel a little nervous about something, just go in somewhere where there's a reflection. You know, it could be a shop window, anything. Yeah. And just look into your eyes and, you know, say those phrases or to yourself. And immediately, you know, yeah. And, you know, fearless in any situation, immune to criticism and flattery, <laughs> above and beneath no one. You know, I am the totality. Boom. Yeah. Very empowering.
0: It will be. And so people, So many people struggle with self love. I think it will help them a lot if they say these words regularly because it will totally increase their love for themselves and also help with the imposter syndrome, which many people uh, are concerned about, right? Yeah. So, so See, what do you. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just saying, you know, what whatever follows I am,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the future you're creating for yourself. <clears> That's
2: true. So, so if you you're say,
1: saying, you know, Oh I am unworthy, I am sad, I am miserable, I am this, that's what you're creating. Whereas mm-hmm. if you say, I am love, I am light, I am joy, I am
0: bliss, mm-hmm.
1: then that's the future you're creating for yourself.
0: That's so true. Actually in ancient India, even right now in some of the villages they practice, as soon as the kids start speaking, the first verse they teach is, I Brahmasmi. That used to be the culture, but nowadays, have got too much westernization <laughs> so no most people don't practice it but still in the people who are very very tradi- traditional and follow hinduism they they do that
1: wonderful excellent yeah plant the seed right at that early age
0: that's true yeah and create the i guess that alone will give the kids so much confidence <laughs> yeah. yeah so what are some of the things uh, you will suggestions you would give to someone who hasn't meditated yet, but is considering to adopt that practice and finding it difficult, like like someone was saying, like the thoughts keep on running, or, oh, I can't close my eyes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, if you can't close your eyes, then, you know, keep them open, but maybe just kind of look downwards so you're not sort of looking around all over the place if you really can't close your eyes. But see, but, um, you know, start start simply. Just with a few minutes. Don't, don't think, oh, you know I have to go and meditate for 30 minutes or an hour or something like that if, if it's the first time, Of course you're going to have difficulty and struggle. So just try it for a few minutes and try with something simple, just observing your breath. So just sit quietly, close your eyes. just be aware of your breath. Because the breath, the breath brings us right into that present moment. See, the thoughts, the desires, the expectations, they're all taking us into the future or the past. And that's where we thats where we live most of our lives. We spend very little time in the moment. What is it? Thich Nhat Hanh, the great uh, Vietnamese Buddhist teacher, he, mm-hmm. said, he said, the miracle isn't to walk on water, it's to walk on the green earth in the present moment. Hmm. Oh, because so deep, most, yeah. most of the time we're not. But the breath, the breath, the breath is never in the future or the past. The yes. breath is always in the moment. Yes. So, you know, just, just close your eyes and just, just be aware of your breath, not doing anything, not controlling it in any way, just watching the breath for just a few minutes. See how, see if you notice a change and I'm sure you'll notice something, some settling down. You know, mm-hmm. and then when the thoughts start, if you want to stop, that's fine, but, but just do it. You know, so start with, you know, three or four minutes and then, that works then extend it a little bit and then when you're ready learn you know something a little more uh you know a mantra or something like that or there's all these apps you know where you can go and have somebody guide you through they're telling you exactly what to do do this do this do this you don't have to you don't have to do anything except listen and follow along so
0: yeah even the happiness factors app has different guided meditations as well depending on the situation like for stress there's different one for anxiety it's different one so whatever the people are feeling yeah no that's a really great uh, advice and listeners for those who are just listening to the podcast you can watch the video of the same podcast and see roger in uh, in person on happiness factors youtube channel and till next time keep smiling and thank you roger for being here and giving so many uh, bits of wisdom to the listeners